with global markets quiet for Thanksgiving, the focus turns to the Reserve Bank of Australia and its hawkish new governor, Michelle Bullock. That's in our Five Things in Five Minutes. And then in part two of our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, details the effects on global interest rates from the massive pivot to infrastructure spending in the United States. This is something that I think, you know, means that real interest rates have to stay positive now in this cycle, even when interest rates start to fall in nominal terms. Whereas in the post-GFC period, we were looking at negative real interest rates. And I think at the core of that switch from negative to positive real interest rates is public investment. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, number one. Without a lot of market action on Thanksgiving, traders and investors in Australia took a good close look at a big monetary policy speech by new governor Michelle Bullock. ANZ's head of Australian economics, Adam Boyton, says it was a hawkish speech and very focused on demand-driven inflation. That's the tough stuff to get rid of, which takes longer to get rid of with high interest rates. There's a view around central banking that says if it's a supply shock, if it's going to be short-lived, you can probably look through it. You don't necessarily need to adjust monetary policy in response to that. If you've got a demand-driven shock, basically the issue is the economy is running too hot, demand is above supply, and in making this this point that the inflation we've got left, if you will, in Australia is demand-based, the governor made three points. The first is that it's pretty broadly based, so there are lots of things in the CPI basket that are running a bit too hot. The second is that strength in inflation is increasingly being underpinned by services. And the third is that in a lot of measures of the economy, there's limited spare capacity. So that tells you that relative to supply, demand's fairly hot. And I guess the implication, to go back to your question, is that getting demand-driven or demand-sourced, if you will, inflation back down takes a bit longer. Number two, Adam says there's clear implications for the RBA's cash rate from that hawkish stance. Firstly, if the bank does anything over the next six months, it's to tighten. Easing in Australia is a very, very long way off. And the second thing is that I think there's very little tolerance at the RBA and across the RBA board for either inflation or activity data or demand data being stronger than the bank's expectations. Number three, Singapore's CPI inflation in October was 4.7% from a year ago. Now, that was a bit above market expectations, but in line with the forecast for 4.8% from ANZ Chief Economist for Southeast Asia and South Asia, Sanjay Mathur, he says it's unlikely to budge the Monetary Authority of Singapore, the MAS. I think we've had just a single reading, which is on the stronger side. And to that extent, it really shouldn't prompt the MAS into any sort of action. I think they will be on a long pause and this single number is unlikely to change their mind. Number four, it's Black Friday today. And then on Monday, Cyber Monday. ANZ Australia economist Maddie Dunk says retailers are having to work extra hard and extra long at the moment to get those sales in. I think a theme that we've seen over the later part of this year has been that retailers are working harder in order to entice us to spend money. We see in our consumer confidence data that people don't feel good right now. And as such, they're thinking pretty strategically about how they spend their money. And that means that businesses have to 
try and entice us a bit more than they maybe did 12 months ago. So we are seeing more sales events, Black Fridays coming up, Cyber Monday as well. But those sales events have also been elongated. So the ramp up has been longer too. And I think that reflects the current economic times where people have to um, think pretty carefully about how they spend their money. Number five. Later today, we see data on retail spending volumes in New Zealand for the third quarter. ANZ senior economist Miles Workman sees a 0.4% fall. That would be the fourth consecutive fall in volumes and the sixth contraction in seven quarters. After adjusting for population growth, the fall would actually be 1% for the quarter. A turnaround isn't obvious anytime soon, says Miles. It's hard to see an outlook for the retail industry uh, that would be optimistic until after the Reserve Bank has solved the inflation problem and can start easing. I mean, the, the two biggest headwinds would be high interest rates and high inflation. So until those things are fixed, uh, retail trade is likely to struggle. Of course, there are some decent tailwinds out there. We've got very strong migration. We've got a housing market that's no longer in reverse. And of course, we've got signalled reductions to income tax in the pipeline. ANZ's Miles Workman there. Now, in part two of our bonus deep dive interview, we hear from ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, who explains how America's pivot to much more infrastructure spending and industrial policy under Joe Biden could keep global interest rates a bit higher for a bit longer. And when you get this strong investment, which I expect will accelerate as interest rates uh, come down, which is our forecast in the second half of next year, that means that whilst Fed funds might be coming down, if companies are borrowing and competing with the government in the bond markets in order to raise capital for investment, that could actually put a floor, if not some upward pressure under bond yields at some stage. That's one of the sort of interesting flow-on effects from this industrial policy is that it involves um, at least a trillion dollars extra in government-funded investment, which has been borrowed and has helped uh, lift bond yields. Just broadly, how does this industrial policy affect interest rates globally if we do see that lift up in the floor? Well, I think one of the key things we're looking at at the moment and you will often have heard me talk on this podcast about our star, is that positive public investment is the opposite of what we had in the aftermath of the GFC, where there was an era of austerity, and the easiest thing for governments to cut, rather than benefits, is public investment. This time around is different. They're absolutely determined to invest the money required to ensure that they have high productive, efficient secure economies that are capable of adapting to the needs regarding climate, regarding technology and that in the future. So this is something that I think, you know, means that real interest rates have to stay positive now in this cycle, even when interest rates start to fall in nominal terms. Whereas in the post-GFC period, we were looking at negative real interest rates. And I think at the core of that switch from negative to positive real interest rates is public investment. Are we seeing um, some other countries, the European Union, seeing what the United States is doing and looking perhaps to catch up? Is there a a competitive element that could mean that there's a wider ripple effect? Definitely. And particularly in the UK, uh, we've got an election coming up next year. And Labour Together, which is a private think tank funded for the Labour Party, which is 
widely believed to win uh, next year's election, uh, having had 12 years of the Tories. Uh, they're very much looking at their industrial strategy. They really see boosting productivity is at the core of trying to raise economic growth and income growth in the UK. And again, equip the economy for the future. And uh, one of the interesting things about the United States uh, investment is that a lot of it is going into the so-called red states, into Republican um, areas, which mean that even if there were to be a change of administration, is, is it quite possible the spending could continue on? Yes, because the way I understand that federal spending is allocated in the United States is that, particularly when you look at infrastructure, the federal government allocates the spending to the states. So the states will have applied for, we need to build a new road, we need to build solar farms, wind farms, we need to repair our bridges and railways. And they get the money from the, from the government. And then the various counties and different projects that need to be done then apply to the state legislature. And then the monies get allocated. So I think this is something that's going to be quite persistent. Just because you might have a change in government, I don't think it means you're going to get a change in the direction or the geography of uh, public investment spending in the United States. Brian Martin there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, November the 24th. Happy Black Friday spending. And don't forget Cyber Monday. Although forgetting both could be good for your financial health. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.